What's up, 11:30? How you guys doing today? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us today. And uh, I'm pumped that we're continuing this series called The Comeback. Before we kind of dive into today, uh, last weekend uh, as, as a, a family was walking into church, actually a single mom with, with her kids was walking in. Uh, her daughter walked up and, and handed me a note. Now, I, I haven't gotten a note since I was in like third grade. So I was like super excited that I got this special note. And uh, I, I, I didn't read it right then. I, when I got home, though, I opened it up and I started reading it. And uh, I just thought I would read it to you because sometimes... We forget like why we do what we do and uh, the impact that it's making. And this is what this little girl wrote. I don't know how old she is. Her mom is actually sitting in this service. So I don't know if her mom actually knows what she wrote in that note either. So she's about to get a surprise. Uh, she, this little girl wrote, I love church. It is the very best. My mom loves it. My brother loves it. Church is for praying and for blessing God. We love God now because, because of church. And because of church, we know that God loves us. Like, like, so many people think, like, we, we, we have daycare going on back here, down that Coastal Kids Hall. We don't do daycare at our church. If we did daycare, that would happen Monday through Friday. What we do is we do kids' ministry. We call it ministry because here's what we're doing. We're ministering to your kids. We're teaching them about God and that God loves them, that God cares for them, that God has got a purpose and plan for their life. And we're equipping them at a young age to be able to walk into the future and the hope that God has for them. And so listen, parents, I'm going to tell you right here, right now, like the greatest thing you could do is partner with us and help us help you. Body, putting your kids back there in kids' ministry where they're going to learn things. Where we're going to say things that you've been saying for years, but they're going to get it because we're saying it. And I'm telling you what, we're raising up a generation in this church that's going to take this world by storm. And the world has no clue. And uh, I, I believe it starts, listen, listen, they're not the generation of tomorrow. They're the generation of right now. And, they, and God can move in them in some incredible ways. And we're trying to equip your kids to be the men and the women of God that he's called them to be. And so, like, I just want to say as your pastor, man, like, we got the best kids ministry on the planet. Uh, and if you don't know that yet, go check it out. Well, actually, you can't because our security is so good. So um, just being honest, your kids are safe back there, too. It's a good thing. Anyways, uh, but, like, it's, it's a powerful, powerful thing when your kids are back there and they're learning the same things, in fact, it, when they're coming out. In fact, I would tell you that for some of you, that, that little girl at six, seven, eight, how, how old is she? Seven. S that girl at seven has more revelation from God than some of you. <laughs> Why? Because she's learning the things of God. And uh, who knows, your kids might even teach you something. Might happen, might happen. Anyways, we're in this series called The Comeback, and, uh, and I love talking about comebacks. In fact, this series has been a lot of fun for me because I, I've gotten to have a lot of conversations with people out in the, the hallways and out in the breezeways and, and outside. People are walking up and going, hey, man, I'm in the middle of a setback in my life. I'm in the middle of a, a dead-end kind of season, and I'm waiting, I'm waiting on God for my comeback. And here's what I want you to know is that you're never too late. You're never too far gone. You've never hit such rock bottom that God can't do an amazing comeback in your life. I believe that God is the God of comebacks in some incredible, incredible ways. And I don't think it's just for people that were in the Bible. I believe it's for every single one of us here today, right here. I believe that God wants to speak to you in a profound way. In fact, 
I was thinking about this because a couple of weeks ago, I was up in Worcester, Massachusetts. Anybody been in Worcester, Massachusetts? Okay, a lot of, a lot of Worcester, Massachusetts people here. Um, I was up there at this conference, and I had to leave early, and I was on my way to Worcester Regional Airport, which is this small, dinky little airport outside of Worcester. But here's what I learned is that they don't have, like, highways that take you everywhere up there. It's all, like, back streets to get to places. Like, it's not great infrastructure up there. And so I did what every person is does that is running late to their, air, to their airport run. I took out my, my GPS on my phone, and I, I started following the directions. And I was speeding along. I was making left. I was making right. When all of a sudden my GPS took me down a road that was under construction that was no longer able to be used. Anybody ever experienced that where you're... GPS kind of takes you in a wrong direction in life, and you're like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? Because, like, I need to get somewhere right here, right now, and now I'm at a dead end in life. Like, I am stuck. I've hit a wall. I don't know where I'm going to go or what I'm going to do. And in that moment, I do what every person does is I took matters into my own hands. And I decided, like, I'm going to, listen, I know GPS says this, but I'm going to make my own way. Anybody ever tried that? How many of y'all know that that does not end well? And it did not end well for me either. I got myself even more lost. I was freaking out because I was like, man, I'm not going to, I'm going to miss my flight. There's like two flights a day out of this airport. And mine was one of them. I was like, man, I got to get out of here. But the thing that I love about my GPS is that no matter how many wrong turns I take, it is always redirecting. What is this? It's redirecting. Redirecting, uh, uh, turn around up here, redirecting, because no matter how many bad turns I take, it's always trying to get me to the correct destination. And here's what I know about some of you here today. You've been going and you've been making a lot of wrong turns. You've been hitting a lot of dead ends. You've been hitting a lot of walls in life. And the thing that I love about God is that God is always redirecting. In fact, I believe that you're here at this service at the right time, at the right place. You're not here by happenstance. You're not here by chance. You're here on purpose because God has been redirecting your life to this moment. Because he wants to, you to realize that that dead end that you've hit is not your destiny. God has actually got something so much more for your life and for my life. In fact, I'll put it in your notes like this. God, I believe that God turns setbacks into setups to prepare you for your comeback. I believe that that is what God is doing right here, right now. He's taking your dead ends that you thought were going to be your destiny, that brick wall that you've hit, that, that, that stopping point that you thought you would never recover from. And he's going, hey, I want to take that thing that seems like it is the biggest setback in your life. And I'm actually turning it into a setup that is going to allow you to have this incredible comeback in your life. And I'm preparing you for this moment right here and right now. And we're going to be looking at a story out of Mark chapter 5. If you want to turn your Bibles there, follow along in your worship, God. And I'm just going to tell you this right now. The better you talk back to me, the faster I'm going to preach and the shorter I'm going to preach. Okay, you guys didn't get that. Okay. This is going to be a long message. I can just, I can feel it in my spirit right now. It's just going to be a little bit longer. So let me give you some backstory. what's going on. Jesus has, has gone across the Sea of Galilee to the Decapolis. It's actually a pagan land. Jewish people never went there. And when he arrives there, there's a man that is naked, cutting himself. He's demon-possessed. Jesus casts the demons out of him. They go into pigs. They run off the cliff. The people there are freaking out because this God that was insane is now sane. He is normal. He's acting like everybody else. God, why? Because who Jesus sets free is free indeed. Some of you are needing some freedom today, so he set pe people free. And then Jesus comes back across 
the Sea of Galilee, he lands back into the Jewish territory. And when he lands, people are waiting for him. They've been waiting for him to return back because they've heard of all the miraculous signs and wonders that Jesus has been performing. And that's where we pick up in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 22. It says this, Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. And Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. So here is this guy. He is the leader of the Jewish synagogue. He is in this moment in life where he has hit this brick wall in life. He's hit this dead end. He's gone and exhausted every doctor that is out there to heal his daughter. But his daughter is on his deathbed, on her deathbed. And he's frantic and he's worrying. He's heard about this guy named Jesus. And so he comes up to Jesus and he's like, hey, Jesus, can you heal my daughter? And what Jairus, Jairus is asking for in the most desperate situation, I mean, you got to understand, this is the same kind of religious leader that would eventually crucify Jesus. So for the fact that he's coming to Jesus saying, hey, I need you to do something is a miracle in and of itself. And he's coming, and he's frantic, and he's like, hey, can you do this? And Jesus is like, all right, man, I, I'm with you. And Jesus starts following him. It says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay for them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out of him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? See, all of a sudden, Jairus is going along, and it seems like God is with him. Can you imagine? I mean, sometimes we got to take ourselves out of just reading the Bible and put ourselves in the Bible. Like, you got to put yourself in the story. you got to put yourself in Jairus' shoes. You're in a desperate moment. You're in a moment that is a, is a life and death moment. Jesus has just agreed to come heal your daughter, and imagine Jairus. I imagine the scenario. If I'm Jairus, I'm running out ahead of Jesus. I'm looking back. I'm like, Jesus! Come on, dude. You put a little pep in your step. I know you're the son of God, but come on. Like, I'm in a hurry, right? Like, I need you to show up right here, right now. Like, I don't need you in a day. I need you here and now. Anybody else ever felt that way with God? Ever felt like God is like, kind of like delaying in the background of your situation in your life? And, and that's exactly how Jarius feels when all of a sudden, can you imagine Jarius is probably 30, 40 feet ahead of Jesus, and he turns around only to realize that Jesus has turned his back on him? And is now addressing somebody else's issue? Is now addressing somebody else's problem? Is, or, is, some, is now addressing somebody else's need? And here's what I know. Some of you here today feel like God has turned his back on you. You look around life and you see him meeting other people's needs. You're like, Shayla doesn't need any more needs met. TJ needs needs met. That's messed up, girl. <laughs> You're like, what's up with that? And we feel like God has abandoned us. But here's what you need to realize that in moments where it looks like God has abandoned you, number one, you've got to believe that God is with you. You've got to believe that God is with you. Because for Jarius, in this moment right now, he's looking at a situation. It's like a dead-end situation. And not only is it bad, but it's just gotten worse because Jesus has turned his back on him. 
It's like a bad day happening. Anybody here had a bad day before? Maybe one or two. I've had like, I can raise a lot of things because I've had a lot of bad days. Uh, all of us have experienced some bad days. In fact, I found some people that had a bad day. This guy was going to Home Depot. And, uh, and uh, not only did he spill all the paint, but you notice he, he hit another car. Like, it's double bad day. Uh, anybody in here afraid of heights? A couple of people afraid of heights? A couple of you? How about this one? You got stuck on a roller coaster, you're just having some fun. They're having to pull those jokers off midair. That's a, that's a bad day right there. How about this one? Uh, these parents were just going for a nice... People that are laughing right now don't have kids. Because if you had kids, that's not funny. Like some of the moms are like... It's like the worst day ever. How about this one? Uh, they drove straight into wet concrete. That's a bad day. This last lady, though, she's having the worst day of them all. She was just trying to get on the bus, and they just shut the door. <laughs> there are some rough days out there, aren't there? Like, that's a rough day back there. Like, you just, it feels like life is closing in on your head. Like, you're getting cut off. Like, it is the worst day possible. And, 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 and you might be in a place just like Jarius where you're walking along and you're believing that your miracle is going to rob. And all of a sudden, your day just got worse. Like, it seems like you're in a situation or a setback that, that just took an even further step back in the middle of your moment. And I don't know why you're in your setback. I don't know what led you to that place that has caused you to be in the situation that you're in. But here's what you need to know. No matter how bad your situation is, no matter how terrible you feel or how bad it looks, God will never leave you and God will never forsake you. Even when he, he, it seems like he's seemingly turning his back on you, he has never left your presence. In fact, Psalms 139 says this. It says, I can never escape from your spirit. It's the spirit of God. Listen, you cannot escape from God's spirit. It says, I can never get away from your presence. If I go up into heaven, where are you? You're right there. If I go down to the grave, if I'm in the deepest pit in life, it says, you are are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. See, I don't know what setback you're in right now, what situation you're in, but what I know with all of my heart is that God is with you right there and he can guide you and he can support you and he can uphold you and that he can strengthen you in that moment. Because here's what I know, if you're going through a bad situation, I love what Charles Spurgeon said, who's a great preacher. He says, is it not a curious thing that whenever God means to make a man or a woman great, he always first breaks him or her in pieces. Could it be that God is breaking you to remake you right now? Could it be that in the middle of your setback that God is setting you up for something that's so much bigger and so much greater than you could ever imagine? And here's what I know for a lot of us. God never leaves us, but where is Jairus? Jairus is running ahead of God. See, we've never left God's sight. But a lot of times, we're running from his presence. Because we're in a hurry to get to our comeback instead of allowing God to work in us in the process. 
And listen, I don't know how bad your situation is. I imagine for some of you, it is really, really bad. The financial ruin that you feel like you're in right now, you feel like there is no way I could recover from this. That marriage that is so messy, you're like, I don't even know my spouse anymore. Like, how could I ever come back from this? As bad as it is, you've got to remember that if you're in that bad of a situation, if it's that painful, if there's that much suffering, how much greater must God want to do with something in your life? How great is God trying to fortify some things inside of you to remake you in that season? What is the work that God is trying to do? And when you're in the middle of that mess, you got to remember that God will never leave you. In the middle of your anxiety, you got to remember that God is right there. In the middle of your marriage that is a mess, God is right there. In the middle of your month that is more month than money right now, God is right there. In the middle of your apprehension and your fear, God is right there. In the middle of the diagnosis from the doctor, God is right there. God will never leave you or forsake you. And you've got to trust and you've got to believe that God is right with you in that situation right there with you you gotta trust that he's there it goes on in verse 35 listen i got another service you guys can't keep clapping <laughs> just messing with you i actually do while he was speaking to her messengers arrived from the home of jarius the leader of the synagogue they told him your daughter is dead there's no use troubling the teacher now but jesus overheard them and said to jarius don't be afraid just have faith if you're taking notes today, number two, you got to look for his light in the darkness. you got to learn to look for his light in the darkness. Because this is a moment that I'm sure that Jarius never thought was going to happen, that he never imagined was going to happen. In fact, this is a dark, dark moment. This is a moment in life that I'm sure Jarius would want to forget, that he would never want to relive. In fact, there's a lot of things in life that I would like to forget, uh, particularly when it comes to fashion. I'm a product of the 80s and 90s. Anybody grow up in the 80s and 90s? Where are my 80s and 90s people? We had some bad fashion statements in the 80s and 90s. One of those fashion statements was, was this. You guys remember the mesh, mesh shirts? If you still own that shirt, please burn it right now. In the name of Jesus, it's a terrible, this is something we want to forget. Uh, if you're a product of the late 90s, Junko jeans. Yeah, some of y'all are like, I, I, I still have those. Terrible. Uh, ladies, juicy across your butt. Terrible fashion trend. Like, here's what I don't understand. Does that mean you have diarrhea? Is that what's going on? Like, why is, why is, uh, anyways. Uh, something we should forget. Um. But here's what I know about all of us. I, I, I believe that there are parts of our lives that are, have been so painful, that have been so hard that we just want to forget them. That, that if we could cut scenes and reels from our life, that we would, we would get rid of those scenes and those reels because they're hard. They're difficult. And, and, and I believe that God even wants to work in those dark seasons of our life. And you've got to think about Jarius right now. In this moment, this is probably the darkest season of his life. He is trusting God for the healing of his daughter. He gets a word from people from his home that she has now passed. And his entire life in one moment, in one instance, gets flipped upside down. 
Like, I, I would imagine that he is distraught, but here's what I know, that God is not finished with Jairus, and I know this, God is not finished with you. Just because it looks dark, just because it looks hopeless, just because it seems like the world is crashing in around you, just because you're in pain, just because you're broken, does not mean that God is not working and moving in your circumstances. Just because it looks like a denial doesn't mean that God is actually denying that thing. It could just be a delay. It could just be a delay. And I believe that God is working in the light even when you're in the middle of the dark. In fact, I, I put it like this. God is working in the light while you're waiting in the dark. And some of you right now, you're in a dark season and, and you're like, God, where are you? I can't see you. I am blinded. But here's what you've got to trust. You've got to trust that God is working in the light even though you can't see him right now. Even though you don't perceive him right now. That God is working in those moments. And what you have to do is you have to remember back to when you were in the light. And go, I remember when God was faithful in my situation. I remember when he did do this for me. I remember when he did come through in this situation. And if God did it then, he'll do it now. Like God is not a respecter for If he did it back then, he'll come through in this moment as well. And all Jarius has to do is just look back 30 seconds earlier to where Jesus already did heal one of his daughters. One of God's daughters, a woman who had been suffering for 12 years, which just happens to be the same amount of age that his daughter is. In fact, the thing that is happening previously in this story could possibly be where Jesus turns around on Jairus and heals this woman with the issue of blood. That actually could be the setup of Jairus' faith. For the comeback that's about to happen in his life. And without the setup, there can be no comeback. You don't go from, from setback to comeback. There is a setup that allows you to have a comeback. And Jesus is setting Jairus up right now. He's saying, listen, if I can heal it for her, this woman who is destitute and broken and poor, what can I do for you? Listen, if God did it for somebody else, he can do it for you. And you've got to realize that God is working in the light while you are waiting in the dark. And then number three, you've got to trust God. Trust the big God with the big picture. you got to trust the big God with the big picture. In verse 37, it says, Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Listen, let me just stop right here. Because some of y'all have been rolling with the same crowd all of your life, and you've been wondering why you've been getting the same results, because not everybody is meant to go with you on your journey. The places that God is taking you, you can't always have your homeboys and your homegirls go with you. Some, of you. some of you have got to realize that there has to be some changes in your relational world. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, the crowds can't go to this place that I'm trying to take these people. A lot of us are trying to take people that have given up on their dreams with us on our dreams. And we're wondering why they're holding us back. Because they were never meant to go with you on this journey. And there's a reason why we tell you all the time here at Coastal, get into a connect group, get into a connect group, get into a connect group. The reason why is because we're trying to get the right people in your life so they can encourage your faith. They can trust you with you for your future. They can encourage you in your future instead of fear, feeding your doubts and your fears. Got to get the right people. And Jesus realized it. A lot of these people in the crowd were the wrong people. And so we're going, to narrow, we're going to narrow the relational span here. It says, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. Part of the reason he saw that is because Jewish culture and tradition would have been, as soon as somebody died, 
they would have had professional mourners and wailers come and, and mourn that situation. And so Jarius was a big deal in his community. He was the leader of the temple, which meant that everybody in the community would came out. There would have been a lot of hoopla and a lot of holler, and there would have been a lot of commotion that was there. It says, he went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? Like to everybody there, that was a dumb question, right? Because the daughter's dead. Like, duh, Jesus, she's dead. And then Jesus throws out this phrase. He goes, the child isn't dead. She's only asleep. Kids go, she's not dead. Jesus just rolls all up and in that situation, he just takes complete control. It's like, what are y'all doing? Don't you know who I am and what's going on? Now, I don't know about you, but when my life gets flipped upside down, I don't normally let Jesus take control. I like to take control. Anybody else relate? Like when, when chaos is happening around, you know what I want to do? Is I want to manipulate everything. I want to I work things. I want to make things happen in my way, the way I would want it to be done and how I see it and how I perceive it. Anybody else in here kind of a control freak? A couple of us. Anybody sitting next to a control freak that you need to raise their hand for them? Okay, there's a couple more. Figured you were out there. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm a control freak, and, and I, I, found, I found our motto this week. Here, here's what it is. I could stop being a control freak if other people could stop screwing stuff up. So just letting you know, like, there, there we are. And Jarius, he has an opportunity here. He can take control and be like, Jesus, what are you talking about? My, my daughter's dead, but he doesn't. G Jarius sees this as an opportunity to trust a God who told him he would come with him and heal his daughter. Now, Jarius' perception of that thought was that she was still going to be alive when he got there. Because that's the way he would have done it. But he gets there and she is dead and he has a choice. I can mourn and wail with everybody else or I can trust the God. Who it seems like has denied my request and believed that it's just a delay. I can trust what I see. Which is all the commotion. Which is all the chaos. Which is all the emotion. Or I can trust what God says. What seemed like death to everyone around there was really an opportunity for amazing resurrection. Why? Because we serve a God that specializes in taking dead things and bringing them back to life. And for some of us, there can be no resurrection without a crucifixion. There's got to be some control that has to die inside of us. Some of you have grabbed hold of control from God for a long time, and you've trusted in your big picture. Instead of trusting our big God with his big picture. 
And Jairus in this moment, he chooses to trust. And this is what it says in verse 40. It says, the crowd laughed at him. Listen, when you start trusting God for crazy things, you know what people are going to do? They're going to call you crazy and they're going to laugh at you. But you need to know that up front. It said, but he made them all leave too. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. And holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha, come. Which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. And they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. See, here's a guy that what initially he thought was a denial was only a delay to see the miraculous comeback happen in his life. And, and I, I had a really cool ending to this. And yesterday morning, as I was just going over my notes, I heard the Lord speak to me for some of you here today. And this is what I heard him say. I heard him say that there's a lot of people in here that God has spoken to them. God has spoken to them through his word, just like Jairus. Jairus got a word from the word of God, Jesus himself. He asked God, God, will you heal my daughter? And what did Jesus do? He followed him. He implied, yes, I will heal your daughter. And a lot of us have gotten a word that God's going to heal us in some area, that God is going to provide financially in some area, that God is going to make a way where there is no way in a career path or in a relational path, or he's going to restore a relationship with some parents. And you've gotten a word from God. And because it has not happened yet, what you've done is you've gone, you know what, that dream, that goal, that aspiration, that healing, that financial provision is never going to happen. And if you've allowed that thing to die and be buried in the ground, and God told me to tell you today that I'm a God that specializes in resurrections. And it's time for you, for some of you to grab hold of that thing and stand back up. It's time for some of you to grab hold of that word that I promised you a long time ago. Because my word does not return void is what the Bible says. It actually says it's alive and active. That it's not dead, it's still alive. It's waiting for your faith to enact on it. He said, it's time for some of you to grab hold of that thing and start standing back up and go, God, I know that it, it seems like it's dead, but you're a resurrecting God. And if you said it, you'll do it. And I'm going to trust in you, and I'm going to walk in you, and I'm going to stand firm in you. I'm going to grab some people around me that will trust with me in it, and I'm going to see that, res that thing resurrect in my life. Church, we got to be a people that's willing to go, you know what, God, it doesn't matter what's happening in life. It doesn't matter how many people are laughing, how much commotion is going on. I'm not looking at what I see. I'm looking at what God says. And I'm going to trust in what he says. Because what he says is true. And it's faithful. And it always comes through. And if he did it then, he'll do it again. We serve a God. We sing a song here that is like our church's favorite song. He's a way maker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who he is. It isn't just a song that we sing. It's a proclamation that we proclaim. It's the truth of what God has said he will do. And it's time for some of us to grab hold of what he said to us a long time ago. And resurrect some dead dreams, some dead aspirations, some dead relationships, some dead uh, connection between kids. There's some dead things that God wants to resurrect here today. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me?
God, I pray right now for every man and woman in this room. God, I believe that there are are some things that you never meant to be buried in people's lives that people have put down into the grave. They thought that it would never come through, that you would never do what you said you were going to do. And I believe that today the Spirit of God is going and it's cultivating some of those things in people's lives. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring to remembrance every dead dream that you have promised in our lives that we have buried, that it would start to come up inside of us. God, that it would be an inkling within our soul that we cannot push down any longer, but God, you're resurrecting those things. God, I pray faith right now over every person. It doesn't matter what the doctor said. It says that by your stripes that we are healed, and we're going to stand on what you've said, God. It doesn't matter about our finances right now, because it says that when we trust in you, you will provide and supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. God, we stand on you. It says that you have a purpose and plan. I know that that my plan hasn't worked out in my career path, but I know you have a plan, and I'm going to stand on that plan. And it says, as I seek you, I will find you. And I believe you're going to lead me and guide me and direct me to And you're raising that thing back up here today. God, and we speak faith over every single person. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us this desire and this unction just to to move forward even in the midst of our doubts and our fears and our circumstances because we don't trust what we see. We trust what you said. And everything we see, according to 1 Corinthians, is subject to change by the power of God in our life. We trust you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen.